The Okie Geek Podcast is brought to you by Okie Comics, a bi-monthly anthology publication showcasing the talents of Oklahoma creators with stories featuring Oklahoma. Copies are available at Half Price Books, Edmund Unplugged, Loot and XP, Boarding House, Paseo Plunge, Museum of Osteology, Commonplace Books, as well as your favorite comic book store and nearest library. You can find out more locations and more information at okiecomics.com. Greetings and salutations, my fellow geeks, and welcome to episode 154 of the Okie Geek Podcast, brought to you by Okie Comics. I'm Michael Cross. I'm Devin Green. And I'm Nikki Robinson, because I don't forget my name. That's right. I, didn't, I was just, I was just pleased that we put the band back together. The band's back together. The band's all together. Hey, anyway. Uh, speaking of, well, I don't know what. A few weeks ago, we were talking about the Oklahoma Book Festival. You guys mm-hmm. remember that? Uh, all the great authors were showing up. Uh, what all of those writers have in common is once they were just looking at a blank page, getting ready to create something new. And an event starting Thursday is all about creating magic on the page. That's right. It's National Novel Writing Month, or NaNoWriMo, throughout the month of November. Here to talk about it. Also is- known as the worst month of your life. Now it's fun. That's what it's In all about. In a creative way. We're going to talk In about a good way. with uh, a friend of the show, Joey Rodman. Joey, welcome back to the show. Yay. Yay. Now it's not that. It's, is it stressful? Do you think it's stressful? Yes. yes. Everyone <sighs> thinks it's stressful. It's a good stress. It, it's a good pain. It's like when you get a massage and they find that spot and they're like rubbing it out and it like hurts, but it hurts so good. Yeah. yeah. I'm Well... I don't get stressed because I don't really care about the quality of what I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but others do. People who read my writing care a lot more than I do. Um, <laughs> but it, it's really good if you're a person like me who procrastinates, who waits till the last minute to do anything. Um, November during NaNoWriMo is like 30 days of the last minute. Yeah. Like, it is like that as intense soon as you start, it's the last valid. minute yeah. of like. <laughs> no, it's so, the truth. I'm the same. I'm exactly the same as Joey. You saw me nodding. I'm like, yes. Joey, let me go ahead. And, first off, what is NaNoWriMo? So um, National Novel Writing Month is kind of an internet-based activity where we write 50,000-word novel in 30 days. So it's 1,667 words a day if you write every day. Mm-hmm. I don't write every day because I want my weekends off. So I try to write like 2,500 a day at the beginning of the month. And that way I don't have to write weekends and I don't have to write with a turkey hangover. Um, But there's there's no set word goal every day. As long as you start at zero on November 1st and end with 50,000 words at least, you win. See that's amazing, and you and there are you. I, I love following you on Facebook and and watching all the setups. Talking about some of the events you guys have had for the past about month and a half to get ready for this. Right. So um, in October we call it Preptober. Mm-hmm. So we're getting ready. I taught a workshop at Nappy Roots Books over on the East Side um, about how to build a plot, how to make characters, how to survive a month of writing when most people that come to NaNoWriMo are not writers. Right. And if they are, they what I'm hearing a lot this year, we've got a lot of new people, is they've never really written anything big. Mm-hmm. They've written things for school while they were in college 
or they've written short stories, but they've never written a really long narrative. And so we talked about that. Um, and then we had kickoff party on the 25th at uh, Cactus Jack's Arcade. Mm-hmm. So it was like every, every bit of the fun. Oh, yeah. It was the greatest. Um, and then throughout November, we will have events where you can come and do a ride-in with us. On Monday evenings at 7, we'll be at uh, Full Circle Books over there on the north side of Oklahoma City. And then um, we have a regional calendar with all of the other events. So yeah. if you want to come out and actually talk about your book, you can do that. Right. And uh, so, so let's, let's start with the, the basic. How, you, how do you tell people how to, to build a plot? Well, okay, so when we were in um, middle school, most mm-hmm. of us, we learned the story has the beginning, a middle, and an end, right? Mm-hmm. And, so and then the, you have to throw all that out the window. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, when, I, when I was, like, even when I was teaching, like, third graders, we had this little mountain. It was the beginning and the rising action, the climax and the falling action, and then the end. And... Even I knew as a kid that that was completely flipping useless, yeah. right? And then I like I'm teaching these if third graders, and I'm like, "If you want to write a like, book that's like every other book, you can use that." Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you can horrible. dissect existing books, but if if you know you want to write the chicken story, whatever the one where they don't do the where they don't help with harvesting the wheat. I mean, oh, that's kind the, of the little listen, red hen. Yeah, the little red hen. I, I mean, that, that follows that plot, you know, beginning, middle, end, rise, fall, climax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the resolution. When people have an idea for a story, they usually kind of know what they want to happen. But that jump from idea to getting it done is really hard for a lot of people. And so, one thing that I talk to people about um, is kind of this idea of a choice made differently. So you choose your own adventure books for everyone. Sorry. <laughs> I've written those. That's, I have too. It's a mess be. and a half. They're a mess, but they're so much fun. They are. They are. Um, where was I? I sorry, sorry. I interrupted. Okay. <laughs> I'm having a random day. Yeah. Um, so you start out with your character where they are. Right. Establish what their life looks like, who they know, what they're doing. Then they need to want something. Then they need to try to go get it, fail at that, regroup, try it again, succeed this time, but probably in the process they lost something important, figure out how to um, readjust to their new world where they have what they want, but they lost what they needed, you got and then your you story's want, over. But not the way you wanted it. I dig this. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great way to put that. Because that's actually... The majority of them fall in this framework. Yeah. So well, I mean, that's, it's how... Yeah, because I, it is, and that's actually the the idea is that you you rise to almost <laughs> almost get what you need, and then you fall, and then you so it helps you bounce back you up learn. to what you need to 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 complete it. Yeah, but there's something now that you need to find to get to your your final destination. Mm-hmm. So it becomes it becomes a, a almost a several mountains rather than one big mountain. Well, because yeah. most mountains have more than one peak right so it makes sense that if if you use the mountain metaphor like there's going to be highs and lows in the story that's just not one big high and then one big low yeah which i mean shakespeare did all the time and so did jane austen jane austen was about the up and, the, and it gets mm-hmm. worse and then it worse and then it, it gets a little better and then it gets worse and then it's worse right and worse. it makes it's a pretty better. boring story if it's that's X. why jane austen was so revolutionary at her time was because like they were they did follow that plot where it was like Beginning, middle, end, you know, goal, achievement, uh, 
fall then, then of course, and then the, the, to make it to make it right is the fact that there, there's so much going on after that climax has happened that it tends to get very boring yeah um, as you're heading toward the end whereas the idea to have it more toward your ending and then if you're like like me my friend for some reason my friend groups love torturing our main characters to the extent of like you just want to cry and is george R. R. martin your friend Oh God, we're we're like BFFs because me and my sister actually. And if you, one of the things I also wanted to mention, um, uh, I'm sure you're probably an advocate of this too. Is a good way to get this done is get a partner. Me and my sister are like story writing partners. Well, whether one of us is helping come up with plot or well, but that, like plot that's points. the thing is if you get a partner though, this is a little bit different, isn't that right, Joey? Yeah. Um. So. I'm kind of a rebel. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't always follow the hashtag rules of right. NaNoWriMo. Um, so if you if you have a partner and you're writing it together, probably you guys should try to write like a hundred thousand words. Right. Like probably. So if you do a partnership, then you've got to actually we're, double we're, your time. I'm like working twelve hours a day. I don't wow. have time to write. My sister's a stay at home mom. I come up with plot. She writes it out. <laughs> well, then come up with 100,000 hey, words. Hey, play towards your strengths. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? And, this? and, like, while I'm driving to work. And she's like, that's a great idea. I'm going to write that. Uh, and then. Then have her write 100,000 words. Yeah. She also has to take, feed her children. Have you heard that thump on the table? That was exasperating. <laughs> that was the full word. You have kids. Now. You know what it's like. She has three of them. But now I can them. sit down with my kids, kids and just start writing stuff. Right. That's no. fun. She has enough that it's a handful. And one of them like super easy. And I, I've, I've met your so. kids. They can take care of themselves. You can Not sit my them kids. Her yes, kids. Your kids. My kids are well behaved. That's her right. kids are. You you your just, kids are angels. You can just. <laughs> hey, they can help, so, right? So okay. So anyway, so we've, we've got a, a good plot going. Uh, characters. Um, I actually saw one that you wrote, and I actually got to respond to it on Facebook when you asked, uh, "Tell us about your main character." Um, which, of course, I responded, "I really don't have so much of a main character because I've kind of created an ensemble cast." Um, but it's neat to be able to think about things like this. Tell, tell us what you talk to talk about with characters. So um, a lot of us go into a story and we think, okay, I need a protagonist, I need an antagonist, and then I need some subplot people. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to get a little bit more complicated than that. I like to have, um, obviously, your main character. Mm-hmm. They need a sidekick. That sidekick gets their own subplot. Cool. Um, the sidekick's subplot tends to start out later than the main characters, and it tends to finish up before the main characters, okay? So if you have, like, this huge overarch, um, there's a little rainbow under it for yep. your sidekick. Right. Yep. Um, and then there are other, like, archetypes that you can try to kind of build on for your story. You could have um, kind of the wise sage type person. Uh, you could have the skeptic. You could have um, kind of the emotional type person and the logical type person. So if we're talking about Star Wars, this right. is my best example. Mm-hmm. We've got Luke, right? He's, we're going to call the main character. Okay. Obi-Wan, kind of the old sage, mm-hmm. knows some stuff, right? Skeptic, talking about Han Solo. Absolutely. Um, pure emotion, <gasps> we're talking about Chewbacca. Right. Pure logic, we're talking about Leia, mm-hmm. right? So we go in. And once you start to think about those characters and you start to think about the media that you already watch, they're already familiar with, you can start pegging who those people are in every movie and every book that you've ever seen. The reason that those archetypes are used over and over and over again is because it works, right? Yes. Um, The other thing that I 
really like when we're talking about kind of that system of characters where you've got a hero, a sidekick, a sage, somebody who's skeptical, somebody who's logical, somebody who's emotional. Um, I like to talk about Finding Nemo. Mm-hmm. So all those characters are in that movie. Right. All, all of them are in that tank. All that's of them right, are in the right. tank that's, together. Yes, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I And I love the fact that Disney, of course, does really well with those kinds of characters, those archetypal characters that, um, of course, they always put their own spin on it, so it's, it's, they seem very unique. But you're right. These are characters that keep coming up all the time, and it's so nice uh, to, to be able to teach people that so that, that way they can recognize it themselves when they're dealing with, uh, with plot, with story development, all these things, because the characters are what drives a story. Yes, absolutely. And you'll, you know, your main kind of group that I talked about, the hero and the sidekick and the kind of the bad guy and the sage and all that, those are um, kind of puffy, like marshmallowy characters. They're pretty dense. There's a lot in there. Um, you can poke at them all day. They're kind of, they're going to be okay. Um, and then you'll also have other characters in your story that are more kind of like saltine crackers. They're real thin. If you poke them too much, they're going to break. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're not super complicated or super dense, and they're basically there to make the soup better. Mm-hmm. They're not they're yeah. not a meal. They're not the star. They're not the star <laughs> yeah. of this dish. But there have been times where like those characters are sometimes the more interesting characters, and that's where I always tell, tell people if you can make interesting side characters and just like offshoot characters, your story is going to be good. Absolutely. And oh, they're going to definitely improve. Because, like, Halder, meal. I always pull up, why not, Halder from Lord of the Rings. He's in there for, like, two pages. But I absolutely love him. He's the one that rescued Frodo. Even though, in the movies, Arwen takes his spot, which really irritated me when I was 16 and, like, an elitist. And uh, he also shows up at the gates of Helm's Deep and reinforces uh, the, uh, he has the elf reinforcements for Helm Deep. He's the captain of the right, of the okay. and, and 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 that's, that's I think it's very interesting that well of course wait a minute I think you're confusing your characters because uh, the characters that actually saves is the son of Elrond uh, Helder was uh, from from uh, the, I don't know was, why y'all are looking at me from was was from <laughs> anyway was from the other force the, 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 okay anyway but I'm Google yeah I got the <laughs> but, power uh, of the way. internet but actually uh, what, one of the things I, I, I think is interesting is that's one of the things I love about Stephen King's novels is he will spend two or three pages describing <laughs> a character and really getting into that character and then kill them off <laughs> <laughs> and then they die and you got on to me about George R. R. oh it's true but it's, it's true. true that's, the that's be, why we care the beta the beta character tends yeah. to die in Stephen King and the yeah I mean. But Stephen King's characters are ridiculously involved. Right, we and all his books, we all, and his books are know, longer than fifty thousand words. We come there for the characters. So, so but you, yeah. so you created these characters. How do you get them from point A to point B when it comes to uh, the plot involvement? Exactly. So, um, I really like to start out with trying to figure out what everyone in the book wants. Mm-hmm. Right, everybody wants something they don't have, whether they're a good guy or a bad guy. Whether they're, you know, subplot, saltine cracker character, or a big puffy marshmallow, there's something they want that they don't have. And so I kind of go through and I figure out what they want. And sometimes it's a material thing. They want money, or they want fame, or they want a new car. But a lot of times, it's these nebulous, squishy things that they want. They want respect, or they want safety, or they want, you know... Love or Love respect or whatever. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, if you th- going back to the Disney movies, um, 
if you go back to the ones that were made in the 90s, mm-hmm. when um, when I was a kid. The Little Mermaid's Beauty Little Mermaid, Little Mermaid. She's got a whole song about what she wants. Right. Right. right? Um, Lion King, he's got a whole song about what he wants. Mm-hmm. He wants to be the king. Those kind of things prep us to know what we think a story should look like. And so even if what you write in November is really cliche and boring, you can go back and fix it later. Right. But getting kind of that whole plot down is the goal, is to get something to work at. Okay. And that's So pinning down in terms of like cinema, like these establishing shots are going to be your key. To tell yeah, me. I mean, I, I feel it. To, to, to right? write to write fifty thousand words, I also find that it's it's don't try to go so fast. Take time to describe what your character looks like, what your character is seeing. The beauty of, of a novel that goes beyond a film is right. that you can is get you inside that person's that. mind. You can get what they're thinking, which you can't do that in in movies. So you take your time to to really flesh out what that person is thinking. Yeah, not only will that make your book better, but it will help you with your word count. Mm-hmm. My very first time doing NaNoWriMo, I signed up on Halloween at like 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. So then my husband <laughs> came home and I was like, so, hey, in about 12 hours from now, I'm going to start writing a book and I'm not going to stop until November 30th and you have to take care of the kids. <laughs> and he was like, okay. Um but I, I had never written anything before, and I didn't have any guidance. I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I ended up writing a book. It was like 3,400 words, which was a pathetic attempt. I never looked at it again until like two years ago. I went back. I found it on an old computer. I had not named any of my characters, really. I had not described what they looked like, how old they were, where they lived, what their life was like. That book could have been at least twice as much longer mm-hmm. if I would have just gone through and really developed and my characters out. Yeah. And, and it fleshed out the, the describing where they're located, what they're doing, not just, um, I mean, because that's, and that's the beauty of what I love about the great writer, Stephen King. Is, and he, I always get back to him because, well, he truly is, a, I think, yeah. probably the, the best writer He's of the 20th, of the 21st best century. Um, because his descriptions of things, mm-hmm. um, even the simplest things, become so, you know what the character is looking at, holding, feeling, what kind of, what the room looks like. And that really fleshes out your, your book. Yeah, I like to tell people whenever they go from one physical space to another in a book, um, they need to go through and of their character, whoever's point of view they're looking at, go through all five senses. What do they see? What do they smell? What do they hear? What, you know, what does it feel like in there? Is there a good energy? Do they feel nervous? Mm-hmm. Is, you know, is there something How did creepy? they get there? Yeah. And that's a common gripe about among readers. It's like, how, wait, what? Yeah, Was like we, we joke about the magic travel of Game of Thrones, yeah. but there's a legitimate plot problem there, which is well, and that's one of the there's a legitimate gotta, lack gotta be, of descriptors. You gotta be a little careful of that because everyone complains about Lord of the Rings and all they're doing is walking. I'm like, well, that's well, how they got from point A to point B. At least we know. That's right. I mean, and they're I, very, I'm the one to take thirsty. digs at Tolkien most often, but hey, at least I don't wonder how his characters magically appeared. In very, they very they thirsty. Know. The whole way. You know right? every, the whole way. You know and I know every hungry. color of every outfit. <laughs> I tell you what. Talk about description. We had a lot of time to describe things while we you were know, doing that, all that walking. When they made those movies, 
the costume department didn't have anything to no, do. No, there was no ambiguity. <laughs> they were like, oh, well, it looks exactly. It's, what shade of green was it here? Yeah. And, yeah. and well, and, and when, but because code. of that, but because of that, we all know what the Shire looked like. Mm-hmm. We all know exactly what was going on oh, in no Casa joke. Doom. We were there. We could feel it. That's what makes awesome. a novel great. Isn't that right, Joey? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of my favorite things to ask people about their main character is what do they have in their refrigerator? Oh, that's good. And that may never make it into your novel, but those kind of questions are good to know about your characters. What's in their fridge? What's on their nightstand? If it's Mm -hmm. somebody who carries like a purse or a backpack, what do they have in there? Why are those things in there? See, I always like, I always go to fan fiction because I'm really bad at world building. And so like, if I already have a world already established, I might not have any of the characters that are in whatever fandom, but at least I have the world already built for me. And I've always wanted to do a, a novel based in like the uh, James Bond world, oh, so good. where like the bad, the main bad guy is a female hacker that always carries this backpack around. Like that's and then like I'm always thinking, what's Be in careful, that backpack? Careful, you're gonna sign yourself up for Nana I know. Like what's in this backpack? Well, she's gonna have a laptop. She'll have a charger. People she'll have a spare charger. So she's gonna have like gonna you know a solar charger. You know, so she could at all times be able to be like. But see, that's that. I think you could do that, and you wouldn't even have to worry about being in in fan fiction with James Bond because, I mean, that's it takes that's, place in the real that's, world. That's also yeah. that's also the but, girl the girl with the dragon tattoo. That's yeah. also any kind of which espionage. Numi is one of my favorite actresses of all time. Well, but that's and that's right? what I'm saying. You could, you, like, you could fit that. You could fit that into anything. Yeah, and I think it'd be but great. I love the idea of it being a young college student kid that like just basically goes anarchy against the government. Against a system of government. Yeah, I think you could put that. Yeah, you could do that anyway. I would read. I mean, Tom, that's, that's Tom. And that's Tom. It Clancy. just that's so happens that she wears white that. all the time and looks just like me. But I that's the, besides the point. That. <laughs> and that's of course. Then then we let's let's talk about that real quick. Let's go to villains. Uh, Joey, what do you tell your 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 people about villains? So um, I really like. This idea of a villain you can love. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone a, loves a villain. I'm so love. into that. So I, one of the things that can really help your book become more fleshed out, more realistic, is to feel kind of like the villain has earned his place, right? That there's a reason he's evil. Mm-hmm. That there's right. a reason that she is like this. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And expanding on that can not only help people kind of understand and identify a little bit with a villain but it helps you get into that interplay with like well what really is right what really is wrong do these means justify the end all of these little gray areas that you can expand on you can go in any direction that make people think that make people um after they read the book tell their friend hey you have to read this book because i need to talk about this right (laughs) right We've that had that like the highest compliment I can give a book ever. <clears throat> yeah. Because well, I read books so fast that usually I've forgotten about it by next I weekend. Know. But if it's sticking in my mind, you know, it's probably. And that's one. Uh, we we'll go back to Shakespeare. Uh, all of his villains were so three dimensional. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, oh, yeah. and that's what makes because when you talk about what do the characters want, the villain is the same thing. What they want makes them the villain. But. But also a, a believable person. The more the we, you can empathize with that one, yeah. the you can go two ways with villains. I feel like I feel like you can make them understandable and believable, and therefore they're frightening because you do 
understand. And then there's the villain that no one understands. Like that's the other way. The, you the Michael Myers. Evil. We yes. don't understand. No. Like in the like. And, Although the zombie mean, movies do a good job, they do of, covering and, of understanding that. that but, but in the original, you have yeah, no and, idea. Yeah, no, in the and original, he's not going to sit like, down and, and give the villain speech of like villains going to monologue, no. like none. Yeah. So I feel like you can go either way, but I love the sympathetic villain. I yes. love the villain that you can empathize. And again, with I, I, go, go back to Shakespeare. One of the best uh, moments is is in uh, Much Ado About Nothing when you meet Don John, and he actually says. He's, he's like, I have no reason for doing anything I am. Just let's just say I'm a villain. He right out does a great monologue about I'm just going to be a villain. I'm going to be the Villain's bad guy. Bill, you know, so yeah. anyway, that's that, that's it's like I said, that's another fantastic. way to take it. Yeah. Well, and at least with the sympathetic villains, I feel like everyone strives to do good, but they know of the capability of evil that they have within right. them. And so like given the right circumstances, you know, Anyone's capable of There's a character of from The Walking Dead that comes to mind. Yeah. Like, like anyone's capable of anything. Like, it's that constant morality and ethics that mm-hmm. keep us in check. And, like, um, a lot of people aren't a fan of this guy, but I actually have read his book, uh, Jordan Peterson. Uh, he talks about... Um, he, he has a part in his book where he talks about how people will take care of their dog and give their dog medicine, but won't take their own medicine. And, like, that's a very common occurrence. About 60% of people will actually routinely take their medicine, but they'll give their dog their medicine every day. And it's because they think that they're not worthy of being taken care of, where a dog is, like, constantly loyal, selfless, and, you know, everything a human isn't. And so we constantly see these negative things about ourselves when and the horrible things we can do so why should we take care of ourselves and that's what he goes into but as far as story plot wise i mean that's how you can kind of identify with bad guys and all these capabilities of evil that you're able and to what's go it, what the villain's do. doing yeah yeah well and even if you can't make your villain likable mm-hmm. you can at least give them a backstory that makes sense as to where they are right. now mm-hmm. i and had to fix so many movies <laughs> With fan fiction, because I was like, ah, I'm going to have to give him a good backstory. So it right. So it makes sense. Everyone <laughs> wants context. Yeah. Yeah, so you can you can build in kind of um, a base level of what your villain does, why they do it, how they do it, um, kind of how they interact with the world. That is based on kind of their view of themselves, which may have some misconceptions, mm-hmm. right? And then those misconceptions are usually based on experiences they've had in the past, right? And so even if none of that overtly makes it into your book, like you're not going to have a chapter that's like, in the beginning, the bad guy was born. You can still kind of itch at those spots for your reader. But going through before, even if it's um, the day before NaNoWriMo and writing out my villain thinks that he deserves blah, blah, blah. And he thinks that because this, because when he was a kid, this happened. And this is how the reaction was to it. And just kind of build that in so that when you're writing them, their reactions make sense. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, when it comes to setting up, how do, let's talk about outline. What do you do? What, what is it? Should you, okay. We're I hate about, outlines. I fly by the seat of my pants. Your pantser. So Amen. So, so let's talk answer. about pantsers and, pre- and was it? Preppers and pantsers. Preppers and pantsers, yep. Talk about those. So um, I have done my best work 
when I was just kind of pantsing. I was just, you know, there's some people in my book and something's going to happen to them. And I don't know, but I'm going to drink <laughs> a lot of coffee and we're going to see what happens. I... Um, that usually works for people for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. About mid-month, suddenly your story is really hard, right? Mm-hmm. You're too early to get to the final boss. You're too late to still be talking about, like, what your character kind of normal life is. And then it's that first challenge that they fail at Mm -hmm. that people get really, like, nebulous and and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I guess I'll quit. So even with Panthers, if you can get off to a good start, do it. But once you start to kind of hit the wall... There you need to are, balance pantsing, need to balance pantsing it back. and prepping. Moderation. And all things, even moderation. There, um, on our group's Facebook, in the files, I have multiple different outlines. My very favorite one, I, for life of me, can't remember who made it right now, but it's credited on the file, goes through every five pages and tells you what the scene should be. Mm-hmm. I would never outline my novel that way ever because it's this huge spreadsheet and it's ridiculous and opening it gives me like a panic attack (laughs) i'm like too much structure i'm like this is too many rules for my life i'm a rebel (laughs) Um, but it is useful when you get stuck because you can go through and you can kind of check off and says a scene that establishes the setting a scene that establishes your characters relations a scene that it's seen that it's seen that and it goes all the way through and then about halfway through it's like a scene that shows that your character maybe has misconceptions about what they really are or what they really want and then i'm like oh, oh we could spend I some time there that. right and then it kind of gets you back in Into, the writing and back on yeah. the track this actually sounds like really good like Material for like if you're running a D and D session. No, no. Here's the thing. I it's so so so. Let me tell you. I am. Uh, I I tried it about three years ago. You were on the show last time, and and I tried it then, uh, and I tried doing the pantsing thing. I mm-hmm. was I was doing a Star Wars fan fiction, mm-hmm. and I, and the problem is that there comes a point when you're when then you start having to do a little bit of research. And that I love gets that bogged. Part. But the, I yes, love but you that. can't. But, that but you can't you do it. You can't do it in NaNoWriMo. You can't do research in NaNoWriMo. Any research that must be done must be done before you start, because well, otherwise, yeah. that's what happens. Is you get to November thirteenth and go, okay, now I have uh, a five hundred page novel to read to figure out where my characters go next. Right. I can't get there. Can't. So I've, I this time I'm actually doing an outline. It is a it is a D and D setting. It's oh, in I Forgotten like that. Realms. Um, so and proud. I am, I am thrilled so with this, this, out, this outline because I've done all the research. I know exactly where they're going to go. Now, on the pantsing part, I have not finished my outline. <laughs> I've gotten them to the final boss battle in the outline. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I've said, <laughs> oh, and, and you're and, just going to let thought, it. And I was going, I was going, well, what should I do? Where King should they it? go? And I went, you know what? We'll find out when we get there. Stephen that's, King is a pantser. BT dubs. Yeah. Interesting. But I, can't, I, couldn't do, I couldn't do that for the whole thing. No, I know. Because I'm just saying it, would be, it yeah. fascinates me that this man, this is part of the reason this man's novels turn out to be thousands and thousands of pages because yes, he's a true. good editor. Right. But and, also because he just lets the characters go. Like, yeah. so that's, I don't know I, that I, I think I get there. Like, I do well if, like, like I have my, my teammate, my sister, and we'll bounce ideas off each other, mm-hmm. but we never talk about dialogue. We never talk dialogue. We just talk plot points. 
And that's when I get my best dialogue is when I have like, okay, I have the motivation and then all the other components and i'm a natural i'm a natural communicator anyways it's right. one of the things my job requires and like i have a very wide vocabulary mm -hmm. and like i'm very meta me and my fiance talk philosophy all the time and metaphors and like oh do you see the metaphor in that music video or do you see the metaphor in this or that and so i'm able to bring things full circle with the dialogue and so like it's really weird how you have to draw from all points of your life to really get this done if you want to get this done in a month. Yeah. Like you really have to pull all your resources together, even if it's bouncing ideas off your fiance yeah. or talking to your sister or getting plot points or yeah, know, and that's using... that's why I think the October prep work is so important. Because October then prep you do month. that during October. <laughs> Otherwise you get to November. Here. And there were times when I was writing the online uh, the the outline that I was stopping and I'm like, I have no idea where I'm gonna go next. Right. And, which is fine to do in October. <laughs> And yeah. actually, I started. But if back you would have hit that wall in November, in November it's a problem. And Joey, it's, it's, let's, yeah. let's talk about how. So, so that. So, do you do outlines at all? I do. Okay. I do. My outline is not is somewhere in between um, a post-it note and that huge spreadsheet, mm -hmm. right? Um, <laughs> somewhere in the middle of that, I do an outline and I write every character and I talk about what do they want, what do they, what are they afraid of happening. What are they afraid of losing? What loss would devastate them the most? Because that is different than what they're afraid of losing. Right. So yeah. a lot of times you don't even realize what you have until it's gone, right? Oh, yeah. I go through and I do that. And then I also kind of I kinda go through with the arcs a little bit of like, this should happen at this point in this person's arc and this should point at that. And I kind of do that. But then I, I'm a real like, I'll make the outline and then I'll get to November. He'll be like, oh my God, what was I thinking? This sucks. Yes. Right. So for first time, uh, I always say when people ask me about Nina Remo, um, cause I've, I've done it probably about six or seven times uh, out of, I I've never finished. And I tell people that's fine. You d might not never finish out of 10 years, but at least you're, actively trying. stretching those muscles but like if it's your first time write what you know and that's where my sister started writing her first um novel just like over the summer because that was one of her goals and she was it was star trek it was star mm -hmm. trek fan fiction and she's like i just there's so much technicality to star trek i just don't know what to do i was like what do you know, though? What do you know? What were we raised with? And we were raised extremely religiously. So, like, crazy cult religious. And I was like, write about that. How, what would that look like in a Star Trek universe? Because you don't, that doesn't ever really come up right. you in could, Star there's, Trek. There's a lot, there's a lot of things religion. you could do with that. And I so love this yeah. idea. Yeah, and <laughs> is the thought of religion an extreme religion at that? Because it's such a utopian world. And then that expanded. And then that expanded, and then now we have like we're we're taking down Starfleet just so you guys know. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, because because utopias never last forever. Couldn't, couldn't be worse than J.J. Abrams. <laughs> but ah! sick burn. <laughs> but uh, but and she, uh, and like the first couple of chapters were kind of robotic, and I was like, because she didn't know where she was going with it. I was like, that's when I mentioned, right? What do you know? What do what do we know best? What would, what did we grow up? What was shoved down our throats growing up? Right. Religion. And, and yeah. also, I want to get to that because, because that was also, you're talking about, right, just, just write whether yeah. or not, and that's the beauty of exactly. NaNoWriMo, uh, Joey, that, that it's just, it's just writing. It's just a matter of writing, not, not, not perfection, just writing. 
Yeah, so um, one of the things I tell people when they're starting out, and I, I get a lot of people that I'm like, you should come write with us. You should come do this. You have a great story. I know it. There's a story inside of you. And they say, yeah, I would, but I'm afraid it would suck. And I'm like, okay, so Yeah, it it's going to. It's yeah. going to suck. Like <laughs> Nobody is going to get out of November right. with a complete book that they're ready to upload to Amazon sure. and sell. You can always fix it later, and you're going to have to fix it later. So don't fix it now. I turn off spell check. I turn off grammar check because I can't handle those little lines, <laughs> and I will get stuck Same. fixing oh, it. I never, never in November ever, ever open a thesaurus or a dictionary. Good. If I don't know the word that I want, I will describe. It's a word. It means thinking. It starts with an M, possibly, and I will move on. <laughs> If I write something and it's horrible, I will never delete it. Because what is horrible to you at three in the morning, hopped up on Red Bull and coffee, (laughs) may actually not be horrible. Right. right. You might have bad judgment right then. If I think it's so bad that I can't look at it, I will redact it like I'm the friggin' FBI. Right? (laughs) I will highlight it in black and keep writing. If you need to quarantine bad writing, save it in a file, start a new file over, Make sure that you word count both of those files. Yeah. Everything you write in November, even if it's horrible, counts. Oh, that you okay. just have yeah. to keep going. Truth. It's just have to keep it's going. Matter right. of putting down fifty thousand words because yeah. And what is it? I think uh, Josh mentioned that it was in January is when you should really go back and look at it, and then because you've Probably. had a, a month or so away from it. That's the time to go back and look. And maybe you can actually. I mean, because most books now. I was talking about D and D. The books that are written are usually around 70 to 75 words. R.A. Salvatore's books mm-hmm. are usually about 70, 75,000. I'm thinking if you write a 50,000 word book, then just to expand a little bit, you're going to get up to 70 to oh, 75,000. Yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of where, where I'm if like, just more. write the book. Just write it because just I've never thing. done that before. And that's the hardest part is just sitting down and getting it written. And that's what NaNoWriMo is all about. Yeah, so as humans, we're, we're super good at criticizing things. Um, my husband watches this horrible TV show called The Flash. And I, I'm a science person, and I cannot legit handle it. It is our joy. But, yeah. Anyway. I, yeah, but like, we I, all quit it a while I, ago. I can't. But yeah. I can't do it. So I'm super good at criticizing things. I am really bad at making things. Yeah. Could I make a show as good as The Flash? Heck no. <laughs> like, is that show good? Heck no. Right? Right. Like, I'm just bad at life. But <laughs> no, but I do. My inner critic says the same. Like, how's your TV show doing? And That's it's true. like, fair. So what I try to tell people my is, TV shows do you know, awesome in my head. It, <laughs> it's ridiculously, um, ridiculously important just to write something. Right. You can write a bad thing and you can criticize it until it's good. But you have to have written the thing. You have to have right? the thing. Like you have to have the thing yeah. to poke at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I've been telling people for years, because I'm such a perfectionist, because I want everything to be great, because I'm so hard on myself, sometimes I will convince myself that I'm not writing a book in November. I'm writing a very, 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 very detailed outline. Right. That's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like you're right. That is complete. I'm the same. I'm a completist, but I'm also enough. I'm so much of a nerd, that, and I'm so hard on myself that I'm like, it should be perfect. Yeah. And right we, out and the gate, and I've talked myself. I've literally talked myself out of a couple in, of nanorimos because of that. In our world of also trilogies and and 
quintets and and you know massively long epic novels that we go well there's no way i could write that big of a thing and i've got to right. think about oh well how do i how do i make this go on for 10 to 12 books i'm like just write just By write the, the darn thing you yeah. have to remember stephen king took seven years I, we just keep coming back to stephen do. because i'm on a stephen king trip anyway saint king um but yeah he took seven years between dark tower novels he didn't start the, yeah. the first dark tower is like J.R. J.R. Tolkien took almost 12 years to write right. the, from The Hobbit Chill all the way out and be King. easier on yourself, but do it every day. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's just do it it's every day. It's a muscle. You have to use it and, and practice using it every day. Every day. And I want to get back to what uh, Nikki was talking about was dialogue. What do you teach people about dialogue? So um, dialogue is really hard for a lot of people, even though yeah. we talk all day long. <laughs> <I know>. Right? <laughs> the dialogue that you in a counter during the day and the dialogue that you want to write are two completely different things. And people realize that on some level, that what they've written is not like what they've read, but they're not always sure like why. And then they tend to kind of get down on themselves and they're like, oh, I suck at this. Okay, we all suck at this. But it's good to know that when you're writing dialogue and you're having a conversation, you always want to arrive late into the conversation. You always want to leave early, okay? So when I call people on the phone, I go through this little dance that I hate that we all do. That's why I don't like to call people. Hey, how are you doing? Is this a good time? Saw on your Facebook thing happened two weeks ago. Is that okay now? I don't care. Like, so I text people and I'll say, hey, it's Joey. Can you come by at three o'clock to do the thing? I'm right there. I'm immediately there. Like, no, how are you? No, what are we doing? In books, people don't really care, right? <laughs> like they don't. They want to know what's happening. And you can use that dialogue to push the story along. You can use it to show what's going on. But you want to arrive late and leave early. In the same way, whenever you watch those CSI shows, they pick up the phone. And they right? start talking. And they just start yeah. talking. Totally. And then they, they don't even say they bye. Don't say they bye. just hang never out occurred to me that, that is I, I, some, actually, somebody, somebody, somebody that. actually who's, who actually kind of think my wife actually commented on that. She goes, they never say bye in these conversations. And I looked at her because that's very, very boring. Right. And, and yeah. I don't, the I don't, I don't want to have, or, or I mean, because really, boring. how many times have you actually said, okay, well, I'm going to go now. And I, <clears> okay. Yeah. I'm, okay. I, I, okay. Okay. To- like, yes. No. No one wants to hear that. No one. No, no one needs that, wants that. In either dialogue in a movie or on the books. Mm-mm. Yeah. They never say goodbye and they never pay for their food. Like, <laughs> the, those That's things so we just assume they happened right. and we're okay if you don't do it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. I like to start dialogue at a at a tension point, and. Then kind what of do you mean you don't have worse. the money? Right. Yeah. Now, oh, you know? am yeah. I interrupting? Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> Where we is just the walked money? in <laughs> on something very interested. I guess I, I guess I'd better go. That's I actually how I like to start NaNoWriMo. Yeah, it's like, like with a really like right in the middle of some. You should do that. You should do that. Yeah. Both ways. Yeah. You should do that. Like the action's happening right off the bat you have no idea what's going on you have to figure it out as you go you've automatically yeah. provided attention that's that's one of my favorite ways to open yeah that's an incredible way to start Memento. a book is like a book starts with your main character's first problem yeah yes. is an amazing way to start a book because you're immediately on the path mm-hmm. and then it's all about showing and not telling mm-hmm. showing how their environment is instead of just saying mm-hmm. you know um one of the things i talked about in my workshop is uh, this little conversation between a girl and her mom and the mom says, go do your homework. And little girl um, 
she says, you know, I don't want to anger Lee. Mm-hmm. I hate anger Lee. Mm-hmm. You know, so then I went through and I rewrote it for them. And I said, you know, mom said, go do your homework. Jane balled up her fists and held back tears and said, mom, I need help with my homework. And then she realized her mom had walked away. And, you know, and so like that's showing way more of that relationship and that way more of like how Jane is feeling and my what's going on. In she has a Jane. That's why she, yeah. But I mean, and I'm, it's tugging at my heart too. You should help her with her homework though. Right. I <laughs> that's, and yes. And so getting them right into the involvement, it goes back to whenever we, we played D&D, I, I heard somebody said uh, they, they actually started a, a game out with uh, all the characters are strapped to like slabs. They wake up strapped to slabs in a wizard's like experimental lab. You immediately care and you immediately wonder. You have no idea how you got here. No, no meandering <laughs> yeah. into this caring thing. Yes. You immediately care and, and, uh, what happened to these people. And that's you know, one of the best ways to write novels is to start out with, with some kind of action or just we don't know what's going on because what's the reader going to do? They're going to read to that next page to find out what's going on. In one of my novels um, called Criminals, uh, it followed seven different criminal types. You had your arsonist, your, you know, seven different types of crimes. And each crime was represented by an individual. One was a guns dealer. And you'd start off just at a gun deal. Right? Yeah. yeah so you could jump Gone right wrong. into that. Yeah. No. I watched a movie that that But she had a cash oh, that can, she brought with her. I all care the time. more about why this cat had a gun deal than because most things. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm I'm not being snarky. Like, I legitimately care. It was, like, in her car. Like, she keeps this cat with her all the time. Right. But, yeah, you don't It actually becomes very integral to the plot later why that cat is there all the time. But, you know, at the time, it's just like she's weird. She brings a cat with her everywhere, you know? And, Joe, you've also, you touched on it with with saying something, something, saying angrily. There's nothing wrong with said... He said, she said, because that is fine. Use the I description. I hate that he said, she said. But that's, but that's what, I hate but the that. only thing is if you try to spend too much time trying to go into, uh, he inferred, he, right. you know, he, 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 I just ju- feel he like sometimes he, you don't yeah. even need to say they, she said, she said, like sometimes like when a dialogue's going on, you know, there's a back and forth. So you like, if you structure, if you format correctly, you don't even need that. But if you, but if you you'd also don't want to confuse your reader. And yeah, I've, but, I've had, but I've had, I've had I say if it's formatted correctly, I've, I've you're read, both right. I've read books where, well, it's, I've, I've read books where there's a conversation between three or four people and they've decided to, to not omit have the he the anything. And that can but get really that, confusing, a back and forth between yeah. a two But that's when people. you have like one of them say the other person's name in the sentence, well, John, I don't know why you think right. that. And right. then he can come back with a da-da-da-da, you know. There's hey, lots of ways to, to deal with it. Yeah, you can definitely do that. Um if you have really good characters and they have a really good voice, mm-hmm. sometimes you can tell who said what just, just by, by their structure, kind of their structure and their mannerisms. Um, I don't have a problem with he said, she said. My problem a lot of times with like angrily and inferred and questioned is that there is another way to write yes. that without without being, just saying that word. It makes right. me feel like almost like you're treating the reader like they're stupid. Yeah, and well, like, your yeah, and your dialogue isn't strong, right? And, yeah. that's, and that's why I say the, the he said and she said. I'm I'm just saying instead of saying uh, he questioned or he interrogated right. or he just say he said, and that way you can use the description through the dialogue, yeah, the voice, yeah. through the voice or through the action. I always Absolutely. bring this up. Yeah. Never treat because I 
I, I have a background in film is where my background's at. And that translates pretty easily over to writing. But like one of the biggest pet peeves I have is actually with one of the Fast and the Furious movies where they're in the car and they press, you know, the NOS button and it has the word NOS. Like they have a little label maker that says NOS on it. It's like we all know that's the NOS button. Your audience isn't <laughs> stupid. You didn't need to label that NOS. We know he hit the button. He goes, yeah, it's the NOS button. Like, don't hit, treat your audience button. like they're okay, stupid. Okay, so don't overly explain. Yeah. Then you under explain and don't insult your audience. Well, yeah, don't. Same. There, so here's my pet peeve. <laughs> okay, so preface this that I'm a huge Trekkie and I love Star Trek and Voyager is my uh-huh. favorite and I name my children after Voyager characters. Fair enough. In Voyager, Harry's only job <laughs> is to ask a dumb question so that somebody else can explain something to the audience. Yes. Oh, the yes. explaining machine. That's, that's what I do at this podcast. <laughs> I ask the dumb question. No. <laughs> Most of the time. So, so yes, Unless it's in my wheelhouse. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Why I was going to say, there's plenty so, of times so, where okay. we're like, Nikki. So, Joey, yeah. what, why, why is that a pet peeve of yours? Um, because it... It's a lot of telling mm-hmm. instead of showing. And it drives me crazy in in books mm-hmm. because there there was some other way that you could have mm-hmm. given that information instead of just this monologue of like, well, sir, back on Earth, they used to call these cars. Okay, though. Right. Like, come on now. We know what cars are. You could it's have described like you the could machine feel the and they could turning have known towards the camera car. being yeah. like, well, a long time ago. Yeah. I feel like and, Doctor Who does think, that a lot. Like not 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 the dumb way, but like the intelligent way of doing yeah, that. Yeah, Doctor Who like, is really good at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, Most sci-fi's are. They they have to be. Like oh yeah, that was they they had this thing. You put a tape in it. It was amazing. Right. I don't know how they lived that Thousand way. You know, like, yeah, yeah. There was um, a movie that my friends made me watch called The Notebook. And oh. It was a movie. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And for in you. the movie, the narrator's like, he was very sad that winter. I was like, dude, you're in a movie. Like, show me You can sad. illustrate this in a million different ways. <laughs> like, why are you telling me he was sad? Um, so those kind of things you want to avoid. However, in November, if all you can do is yes. say that, say it and move on. You can fix it later. Um, as far as, like, dialogue tags that he said, she said, he inferred, um, be careful with those two because a lot of times um, what you think makes sense maybe doesn't. And then um, maybe, so in Twilight, oh God. Okay, we she, all would, take a she would have life. somebody say something with an exclamation point, oh. and then she would say, he said apathetically. I know. Oh, like, yes. dude, no. 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 You, yeah, like, no. dude, no. Hashtag, that, like, dude, right. no. <laughs> I, I have to at least, that was just bad editing as well. Yeah. <laughs> as, as long as it was that's, bad writing, that's, that's a bad She had an editor. Did she have an editor? I don't really I don't think, think so. so. She didn't have me as an editor. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Same. Okay, I, I do have a question. Exclamation What points. do you feel like... Okay, so me and my sister do this. It's kind of experimental. We use soundtracks. We will take soundtracks. Music and put to your writing. Music to the writing. I love that. So last year I wrote... My novel was kind of like an ARG slash novel. Mm-hmm. And so there were things in the real world that people needed to go do to help solve these puzzles to get through the book. Oh, wow. Um, okay, that's super fun. It was super fun. It was a horrible way to execute anything. Um, but it was super fun to write writing, it. right? It was, yeah, it was really weird. 
I like to go really weird with things. Um, I was reading a book once recently, and they were talking about a YouTube video, and there was this little QR code on the book, and I'm like, nice. I wonder what that does. It linked to the YouTube video so I could watch it, and then I could read this comedian talking about oh, that's like, fantastic. the YouTube video. I love anything kind of new and creative and weird. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to do that, um, I fully support. However, actually, however is not the right word there. Additionally, <laughs> see, I can edit. I can right. edit in do my own words. In my own hand. In real time. <laughs> um, one of our local writers is actually doing a fundraiser on November 4th. Where so she is a dance teacher, uh-huh. and she has had us submit our narratives and our ideas. She is getting a DJ to make a soundtrack, <gasps> and then we can go write while the dancers are dancing to the soundtrack that they picked. Oh my for gosh! Our book. And, and we get where, nothing done. Yeah, get all this information. Uh, it's November fourth. I'm trying to remember where the bookstore is it's called narrative in motion and there's facebook event about it right now Um, and that's on the nanowrimo um uh facebook page right yeah it'll be on our facebook page and um it'll be on our regional calendar on the website as well is that is that oklahoma nanowrimo what is the facebook page um oklahoma city nanowrimo oklahoma city nanowrimo okay and and uh on facebook um Narrative in motion. What other events? Because we do kind of have to close this out. What other events do you have going on during November? Because I know you have them to kind of help keep the juices going. Right. So on um, Monday nights at seven, we'll be at Full Circle Books, and we do a ride in there for about an hour and a half. We have virtual ride ins. So if you don't want to make it out into public, you can stay at home and do it. We have a Slack. It's OKC Nano dot slack.com and that's where we do all of our online write-ins slack what's that it's kind of like twitter for work <laughs> <laughs> all it right totally is twitter for work yeah like that's it's kind of like a web forum but like more annoying because <laughs> um, i i have like 10 of them for work um and then we also we have a google calendar and you can get that on nanorimo.org sign up for the oklahoma city region and you'll see our Google Calendar, and it'll have all of our other events, like our Thank God It's Over party on December 1st at the Guthrie Library. Oh, oh, and uh, up on Division. Yeah. Yeah, Division, but kind of close to just a little bit south of Noble. Uh, yeah. We're going to have a brunch um, potluck and celebrate that we all survived. That's Yay. wonderful. That's how and I feel every week after work. So really, basically, the idea is to write uh, at least... I, you know, at least usually 16, about 1,667 words a day. Uh, certainly you can figure out how you want to do that, but just try and sit and write. Why do you think this is important? I think it's important, first of all, because a lot of people are so busy right now and we don't take any time for ourselves. Um, most of us actually do want to write a book. When I ask people, you know, what's on your bucket list? That's one of the things. They want to write a novel. They want to write the next greatest American novel. That will never happen if you don't write it down. Right. And because we are all so focused on everything, we're so busy and life kind of eats our lunch every friggin' day. (laughs) Having a set aside time once one month to say, I'm going to let some of the stuff slide. I'm going to delegate a little bit and I'm going to take time to do something that I want to do with my life is important. Yeah. 
And it's important that we get as many people as we can to do this because diversity of ideas and experiences and thought are what makes the world a richer place. Exactly. Amen. That's it right. can only improve us. I love that. And Joey, uh, how can people find, how many people, we know they can go to the OKC NaNoWriMo Facebook page. What about you personally? Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Oki Space Queen. Oki Space Queen. Anything exciting going on in the, in the realm of uh, the the um, astronomical stuff going on this month? Uh, we actually have a meteor shower coming up on November 5th. It's the Torrids. Oh. Those are super great. You can get um, between 10 and 15 meteors an hour, and they are all over the sky. They're absolutely beautiful. Um, that is also during a um, close to the new moon. So if you want to dark. download the app, Loss of the Night, and while you're out stargazing, so tell me about light night. pollution, that would be awesome mm-hmm. sauce. Loss of the Night application. So because we, 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 you know, we've had you on before, we're talking about light, light pollution, and uh, every time we look out, we were heading back from Yukon the other day, my, my son was having a football game, and just look out at Oklahoma City, and it's just this haze of light. And it's, it's yeah. just, it's sad because I know so all bad. those people and I'm the same one. It's like one of them. I can't see anything, certainly not anything on the horizon. Um, so certainly something to, to think about as well. And, um, uh, is uh, the Leonids, isn't that, isn't that, that'll oh. be around mid, um, November, so That's 15th, 17th. Those are um, supposed to be fairly good this year. The moon is mostly full during that but it sets at midnight so if you take a nap during the day and then get up at 2 a.m it'll be great right? i get up i, I work I, overnight i'm so. gonna yeah. say these two 2 30 in the morning <laughs> i get up 2 30 in the morning to the morning I'm the show only so. early riser yeah fantastic i'm driving home he's getting up right yeah. exactly exactly joey thank I'm you so very much for showing up <laughs> you're just thank you for having me so that's gonna do it for our show you can find us on our brand new home with our podcast friends at mostly harmless.media also on Twitter and Facebook at Okie Geek Podcast. That's also the address for our Gmail account. Would love to hear from you. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And Devin, where can people find you on the World Wide Web? Oh, you can find me on the Twitterverse at Webba. That's Whiskey Unicorn Victor Victor Alpha. Nikki. You can find me at Retro Robinson on Twitter and also on the Facebook page. Yes, and you can find me at KOSU Michael C. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast. Also rate us and leave a comment. Until next time, along with Joey Rodman, I'm Michael Cross. I'm Devin Green. And I'm Nikki Robinson. Reminding you to keep calm and geek on.